Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Good morning, everybody. My name is Dean Kerpioite, and I'm the executive director of The Mustard Seed, and it is very good to be back Uh, with you this morning. I've been here a few times over the last few years, and every time I come, uh, it's great and love being here, love uh, participating in your church service, your worship service, Um, recognizing that the last two times I've been here, it's been weird. Uh, And that's no fault of anyone's other than COVID's. And so uh, today is is certainly no different. Um, Before I begin, let's uh, just take a moment to pray. Um, Father in heaven, uh, thank you for this morning, and thank you for Um, allowing us to gather in very unique circumstances. And um, we recognize that the Holy Spirit is not bound by anything or anyone. And so we pray that um, as uh, we continue this service, that uh, your Spirit would uh, speak to each of us in uh, in personal way, in a unique way, and in a way that makes us um, recognize uh, the work that you are wanting to do in our life. And I ask this in your name. Amen. Uh, Let me read to you John 21. This is verses 15 to 19. When Jesus and his disciples had finished eating, he he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than the others do? Simon Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I do. Then feed my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus asked a second time, Simon of John, do you love me? Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus told him. Jesus asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him three times if he loved him. So he told Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus replied, Feed my sheep. I tell you for certain that when you were a young man, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will hold out your hands. Then others will tie your belt around you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to tell Peter how he would die and bring honor to God. Then he said to Peter, follow me. Uh, This is a very famous um, passage of scripture, a very famous story of Jesus trying to repair or restore um, Peter. It's, uh, it's interesting in the sense that Peter at this point had really messed up um, before Jesus's death. Uh, Jesus had said to him, look, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, I never would do that, Lord. There's no way I would ever do that. And then, of course, Peter ends up denying him three times prior to Jesus's death. And so at this point, um, Jesus has risen from the dead and uh, they're having a conversation and there's other disciples around. And Peter and Jesus at this point decides that now is the time to kind of get into Peter's face a little bit, to have a very awkward and difficult conversation. Uh, Jesus is wanting to work it out. This morning, I have been asked to uh, speak on leaving our past behind and what it means to leave our past behind. Um, 
When I think of this, I, I actually go back to a story from when I was about seven years old. So I am in grade one at this point. It is like, I don't remember what I had for breakfast three hours ago, much less uh, tend to remember things from as far back as grade one. But I do remember the odd thing. And this is one of the things I remember. I got in trouble at school. I don't recall why. I don't remember what I did. I was probably picking on a kid or I was probably talking too much in class. Those tends to be the two things I got in trouble for back in the day. And so um, my teacher um, decided to write a note home that I was to give to my mom and dad. See, back in the day, they didn't call, they didn't text, they didn't write emails. They actually had to take out a pen and a piece of paper, write a note, put it in an envelope, seal it, give it to the kid and say, give this to your mom and dad. Now, I knew what this meant. This was nothing good. Uh, there was no chance that this was anything good. And I also knew uh, what this could possibly mean given who my parents were. And uh, basically what it would mean is this. If that note contained the kind of things I believed it was going to contain, my ability to sit down for about three days was going to get very, very uncomfortable. Because that is how dad took care of things. And so, again, seven years old, this is a long time ago. I was walking home by myself, something that would be unheard of today. And as I went for about that 15-minute walk um, from Linwood School in Edmonton to my house, I saw upon me a, um, you know, one of those little sewer things that are kind of like they're, they're underneath the sidewalk and there's the grating. And I thought, if I throw this out there, no one will ever know. So at seven years old, I suppressed the guilt and I decided that the possibility of getting caught um, was um, way, you know, not anything to deal with. Instead, I was much more interested in trying to hide the note. So I threw it into the sewer and I went home. 30 years later, I told my mother I did this. Um, it would have been in my 30s when I said, you know, when we had one of those conversations, you guys never hid anything. I have a brother. You guys never hid anything from us, did you? Uh, yeah, mom, kind of did a couple times. Some of them I'm not going to tell you about because I was 18 and there's things you just don't need to know. But this is what I did when I was seven. And she said, you did not. Yes, and we had a long conversation about it. Now, what's interesting, what ties us into this is that it's amazing how 40 years later, I can still feel the weight of that wrong decision. It's not that it hangs over me anymore, but it just goes to show how when we do something that we regret, that we know we shouldn't do, how long it can still linger. Jesus doesn't want this situation to linger with Peter, but he needs to deal with it too. And so he ratches up the language. In fact, he calls him Simon. He only calls Peter Simon a few times. When he asks him to follow him, he calls him Simon. When um, Peter confesses that Jesus is the son of God, uh, Jesus refers to him as Simon. When Peter falls asleep in Gethsemane, um, Jesus says to him, Simon, get up. Uh, when Jesus is talking to Peter and he drops a Simon, it's really the teacher voice, the mom voice, the dad voice. It is the use of the middle name. It is all of those things. It is, Peter, wake up. I'm trying to get your attention. And then 
He's even intense with his language with Peter. We don't see this in the translation because we only see the word love, but Jesus uses a specific word for love, um, and the word he uses is agape, which really means total commitment. Jesus is saying to Peter, are you totally committed to me? Simon, son of John, are you totally with me? It's stronger than brotherly love. It is... Um, Jesus really saying to Peter, I need to know, are you all in now? Because you weren't all in before. This is an intense exchange. And part of what I like about Jesus and part of the things that we don't talk enough about him is that Jesus was an intense guy. Um, you know, we talk about the soft things about Jesus all the time, about love and forgiveness and grace and all that sort of stuff. I love his intensity. I love the fact that when Jesus needs to bring it, he really, really brings it. And this is one of those circumstances that he does. Because for Christ, he wants us to leave our past behind. And the first principle of this is quite simply, letting go of your past might be a simple thing to do, but it's actually a very difficult, it's not easy. So while it is simple, it is not easy. In fact, it's very hard. About 20 years ago, I'm sitting down at the mustard seed for the very first time. Uh, in fact, it's probably longer than 20 years ago. At this point, I'm in my late 20s, mid to late 20s. And I'd been a pastor for maybe a year or two at St. Albert Alliance, um, where I was the college and career pastor there, and amongst other things. Uh, at this point, though, I'm the college and career pastor. And one of my friends had just gotten a job at the Mustard Seed, and he now still works for the Mustard Seed. His name is Chris. And he was one of the chaplains there. And he said, I'm wondering if you want to come down one night, Dean, and help serve supper. And I said, I'd love to help serve supper. And he said, great. And he said, I just don't want you to do anything, though, other than sit amongst the people and chat with them. Will you do that? He said, I can't get everyone to do that. Everyone will cook a meal in the back. Not a lot of people want to sit down and chat. I said, I'm happy to sit down and chat with him ever, Chris. He goes, great. And he kind of gets a little bit of a smirk on his face. I don't know what that's about, but whatever. Um, and keep in mind, at this point, I am pastoring in what we, you know, sometimes refer to as White Albert, uh, you know, a very um, suburban, wealthy community. And I'm asked to go into the inner city of Edmonton and sit amongst the people. I sit down beside a guy and he says, what do you do for a living? And I tell him I'm a pastor and he hears the word priest, not pastor, and he decides to confess his sin to me. Um, what he told me was some of some really horrific stuff. And basically what he had come out and admitted to me was that he had just come out of prison where he had served for a long period of time um, because um, he had been inappropriate with children. And he looked at me and he said, what do I make of my life now? What do I do? Um, I didn't know what to tell him. I was all of 27, 28 years old. I'd been a pastor for maybe 18 months. And he had just told me something that you never, ever want to hear. And all I could say to him was, I don't know how to help you with your past outside of God. And I don't know how to help you with your future other than to say, do you want to relive your past in your future? And he said, I want to be different than who I was. And I said, okay. 
And we talked a little bit more, and eventually I left, and he went and had a long conversation with my friend Chris. How do you let go if you're that person? How do you not let that drag into your future and define who you are? And what about his victims? How do you let go of the past that he did to them? When you hear stories like this, you recognize that there is so much work to put in to let go of your past. It's really easy for me to convey a story from when I'm seven years old and say that's pretty easy to let go because it is. But what if it's not so easy to let go? Are you willing to put the work in? The second principle is that hanging on to your past affects you negatively today. That when you don't let go of your past, it holds you today. What becomes of Peter if he doesn't deal with this? What becomes of Peter if he doesn't engage Jesus in this conversation, if he just walks away from it? Does he become a leader in the early church? Does he become somebody that we recognize as one of the great um, apostles of all time? Uh, does he become someone who is the head of the church for a period of time? Does he perform the miracles that he performs? Or does he go back to being a fisherman? I don't know how many of you downloaded or watched um, Wonder Woman 1984 um, that came out on December 25th. Uh, my youngest daughter, who's like 18 now, and I watch all of these movies together still. And so her and I um, paid the 30 bucks and watched Wonder Woman 1984. And you know what? A lot of the movie is actually on this topic of not being able to let go of your past. Uh, she can't let go of an old relationship. And uh, she's, she, Diana is struggling with that. And a lot of the plot is driven by her inability to let go of Steve Trevor. And I thought that was just such a fascinating thing to watch as I'm leading into the sermon that I know I'm going to preach is that, you know what, like all of us, even, you know, those that are in fiction and supposedly superhuman are unable to sometimes let go of those emotional attachments that stick with us. Um, in Wonder Woman 1984, this is very much in that. And it's a driver of the plot. Uh, and if you watch the movie at all, begin to consider if she's never able to let go what happens at the end. If you're unable to let go, what will happen to you? If Peter was unable to let go, what would have happened to him? So what or who is holding you back? Jesus is pushing Peter in a lot of ways here, and we can learn from it. There's this corporate push um, in that everyone is hearing this, all the other disciples are hanging around. So there's this kind of collective thing where, you know, it isn't a, it's a private conversation that's heard by many. And so there's that, there's accountability, in other words, that Jesus is creating. Um, it's an economic push. Uh, you know, the initial kind of, do you love me more than these, isn't about people, it's actually about things. Uh, Peter is fishing at the time. So Jesus is basically saying, like, do you love me more than your fishing gear? Do you love me more than your past um, occupation? Do you love me more than the thing you're most comfortable with? Put this in today's context. Do you love me more than your business that you started? Do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than your church? That was a 
question I had a counselor once asked me when I was a pastor. Do I love God more than I love the church that he's asked me to pastor? It's a good question for a pastor. Do you love me more than your investments? Do you love me more than your house? This is the kind of question Jesus is asking him. He's asking him really a question that is around money and around economics and around comfort and around security. He's saying, yes, I gave you all of these things, but you love me more than these things. Third, it's about his life before Jesus, not just since their meeting. In other words, Jesus is saying to him, do you love me more than your family? Do you love me more than your friends? Do you love me more than any other relationship that you have? And then the fourth thing is that Jesus is saying to him, this is also about your denial, Peter. By asking him three times, do you love me? He's obviously mirroring the fact that Peter denied him three times. And he's saying, I'm recognizing your denial. And just like you denied me three times, I'm asking you to commit to me three times. I'm asking you three times, do you love me more than all of these other things in your life? Are you willing to go that far? And not just in a brotherly sense. He's saying, do you love me in an agape sense? Are you all in? Are you committed? Identifying what you need to let go of is actually extremely hard. Talk to someone who's a victimhood of uh, childhood trauma and ask them how hard it is to let go of their past, to forgive what happened to them. Have you ever sat down with a, a vet who's got significant uh, PTSD and ask them what part of that PTSD is the defining moment that caused them to have that traumatic stress? And if they can let go, and usually they can't, they can't identify an event. They can identify events, but it's hard to come up with one. What part do you need to let go? How do you identify the core issue? How do you identify the thing that is actually holding you back? Jesus is pushing Peter on the core issue. Peter's denial would have likely drove him back into his pre-Jesus life. He'd have gone back to the fishing gear. He'd have gone back to the comfort. He'd gone back to what he knew. But Jesus says, no, the real issue here, Peter, is are you fully committed to me? And if you are, you can let these things go. And he's pushing him on that, and he's driving him home to the core issue. So what's it for you? What's the one thing that you can put your finger on and say, this is the thing in my past that I need to let go of? This is the thing that's holding me back. This is the issue. This is the event. This is the pain. This is the sin. See, letting go is absolutely possible. Restoration is possible. The release of your past can happen. When you decide that the difficulty in doing the work is more important and outweighs and is a greater motivator 
than the pain and living with the baggage that you continue to bring in. Peter didn't just let go. He decided to move into something. In other words, he didn't just say that my past I'm going to let go of. He decided that he would move towards someone or something. So January 1st was a big day. Um, obviously, there's the turn of the calendar in 2020 and all the things with that that we've got to let go. And now we're now in a new year. And, you know, that's the reason why I'm talking about letting go of your past because you let, you know, there's this calendar flip that happens. But let's face it. We all know what the most important thing was that happened on January 1. Season three of Cobra Kai came out on Netflix. Yes. This is a life-changing TV show if you've not watched it yet. And is there a TV show that better demonstrates two individuals, lead characters, Johnny Lawrence and Danny LaRusso, that can't let go of their past? In the case of Johnny, he can't stop living in his past, literally, which is part of the reason why I like it. The 80s t-shirt, the 80s music, the 80s car, all that sort of stuff. I love it all. But for Johnny, it isn't just nostalgia for him. It's still who he is. The events of high school are affecting him today. And for Danny, it's LaRusso, it's almost the same thing. He's moved on a little bit in that he's found some success in some regards. But still, he can't let go. And the whole TV show is based on two guys that can't let go. The key and part of the key in letting go is having a forward motion that you anticipate. It isn't just about letting go of the past. It's about deciding what future you're going to move into. And what future is being withheld from you because you can't let go. Peter moved closer to Jesus and into leadership. If you let go of your past, what is your plan? Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Here's some small, um, and I'm hoping some practical suggestions to help you let go of your past and to begin to pinpoint maybe the thing that in your life that is holding you back. And the first thing seems rather simple, but it actually needs to be stated over and over and over again. Please, Go see a Christian psychologist. Um, I've been, um, I've had, um, you know, lots of time sitting with somebody who has been helpful to me um, over the years. I continue to encourage that. And when I need to go, I will go. When we have paths that we need to deal with, sometimes we need to sit with somebody who's smarter and wiser and a good listener and can give us advice on how to let it go. If you have past that you can't get rid of, especially that trauma that is so hard, go see a Christian psychologist that can help you get through that. The second thing that you can do is that you can confess your sin. Uh, James 5.16 talks about this. Uh, you know, confessing your sin um, may not seem like a good time because generally speaking, let's face it, um, it isn't. Uh, you know, it's like... I'm going to unload everything that I've ever done. But, you know, and we confess our sin to God. I get that. But you know what? There, there's something that happens when we decide to be authentic with somebody else. Uh, there's something moving, something changing that happens in our life. And 
if part of your baggage is something that you've done wrong that you know you need to do, that you need to get rid of, um, you may just need to sit down and confess it to somebody. A number of years ago, I was uh, asked to, I think it's step five, but it might be step six in the, in the AA process of the 12 steps, where you're supposed to really tell every, somebody everything you've ever done that you feel shame about. In other words, letting go of your baggage, letting go of your past. And so I was asked by somebody in AA, um, who's a good friend of mine, to listen to his mentee who needed to tell their life story to. So I sat with this young man, and um, it was probably a two-hour conversation. And I shouldn't say conversation. Your role is just to listen and to do it without judgment. And so it was two hours of this individual um, telling me everything. And I, there was stuff I didn't even know that one did um, that he told me about. Like it was, it was, it was shocking at times for me. I'm, you know, and I'm, you're not to ask questions, you're just to listen. And at the end of it all, um, he walked away from there feeling free. I walked away from there um, feeling um, in some ways, a little less free, um, but also knowing that it was great for him. And of course, there was no need for me to carry his stuff. If you have sin in your life, have you confessed it? Not just to God, but to somebody else. The third thing that you can do is grieve the gap. Now, let me explain to you as briefly as I possibly can what this actually means. But there's reality, and then there's expectations and hopes. And often, we think our life should be here, and then we're living here. And then there's this gap in between. And in order for us to accept our reality and to deal with our reality, we actually have to grieve the gap between reality and hopes and expectations. We have to let it go. We have to understand that this isn't where we are anymore. And we're not going to be here. Instead, we're here. And it's okay to be here. So how do you grieve that gap? What do you do? Well, generally speaking, you write letters to people. Um, you just never send them. So if somebody has hurt you, you write that letter to them, but please don't send it to them. By sending it to them, you're trying to hurt them. Um, sometimes you even write a letter to yourself. Sometimes you write a letter to God. Uh, if you're not a letter writer and you don't actually like to write things, then go to a field and yell into the empty field at the person that has offended you or hurt you. Um, go yell at God if you're upset at him because in your mind, there's a gap there that he has helped create. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. All of Psalms, Lamentations, is a large part of people grieving the gap at God. Um, grieve the gap. Let it go. Get it all out there. And then the fourth thing that you need to do or can do to let go of your baggage is forgive. Ephesians 5.32, instead, be kind and merciful. Forgive others just as God forgave you because of Christ. Forgive the person that hurt you. Forgive yourself if you have done something that you regret. Um, forgive. If someone has hurt you that is close to you, 
and you're having trouble let going of that, um, Jesus actually gives a pretty clear command on how to let go of that. Uh, he says, pray for those who persecute you. Have you ever prayed for somebody um, that you're upset at? That has disappointed you? That has hurt you? When you pray for them, there's this amazing thing that happens. And now, keep in mind, I don't mean pray for them as in, dear Lord, you know, stricken them with the plague. What I mean is you pray for them in earnest. You pray for their well-being. Your heart begins to change towards them when you do that. The baggage goes away of the pain that they have caused you. And you begin to find an ability to love them. So, in conclusion, what in your past do you need to let go of? What pain, what trauma, what sin, what hurt? Is today the day that you will choose to let it go? Is today the day where it will no longer hold you back? That it will no longer weigh you down? That it will no longer prevent you from living the life that God wants you to lead? Again, Peter. Peter's story could have ended with the denial. That could have been the last we saw of him in all of Scripture. Except Jesus decides that he's not going to let Peter go. Jesus decides that Peter is worth the fight, is worth the restoration. Jesus decides that Peter is going to lead a different life. That he's not going to go back, but he's going to find a way to help Peter move forward. You are no different in Christ's eyes than Peter. He wants you to let go. He wants you to move on. He wants you to lead the life that he wants for you. He wants what's best for you. And he wants you to let go of the past that is overpowering, that's overburdening, that's causing you pain. So what part of your past today will you let go C.S. Lewis summed it up quite nicely. He said this, There are far better things ahead than any we leave behind. Today, will you choose to leave your past behind? I ask you to close your eyes and take a couple moments in silent prayer to really think this through and to ask God, is there something in my life that I need to leave behind? And if there is, in silent prayer, I'd ask you to make a second commitment, which is to do the hard work, to let it go. If you need to see a counselor, if you need to grieve the gap, 
if you need to confess your sin, whatever it is, that you'll commit to God today to begin the work. And so Jesus, as we enter, as we've entered into a new year, um, we recognize that um, this is the kind of rhythm where we often talk about new patterns, new lifestyle, new decisions. And usually we boil those things down to, let's face it, diet, working out, and money. Um, what we don't often do is the spiritual inventory. And um, that's that we all need to do. And so as we do the spiritual inventory now, as we recognize the things that are in our past that are holding us back, um, I pray that you would ensure that the conviction that we feel today would carry over um, into the days ahead so that this wouldn't just be a moment in time where we think about doing something, but instead that um, our motivation would lead to action, our action would lead to um, doing the right things and the necessary things to let go of our past so that we can lead the life that you would want us to lead. And I ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.